Good morning. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to be a basket case. Oh, the stories I could tell of Kenny, but he has to live here, so I won't. Um, Kenny asked me, he did ask me a few weeks ago if I'd come speak here uh, for your fifth Sunday. Um, he said there would be food after, so I said yes. Um, and uh, no, I, I, when I get to asked to speak, I'm not a pastor. I, I'm not a pastor. I work in a Christian school. Um, I've been with our Christian school for 33 years now. And we've had our ups and downs. And I see Kenny here. And I think, what in the world are we doing? How in the world are we doing what we're doing? If you knew our family, we were bus kids. We went to church on the bus. Our parents didn't go. And I tell them we lived in two different homes because when I was in high school, my parents didn't really go to church until I left the house, and then they started going while he was in high school. And when I was in high school, when I went to public school, I remember having a speech class. And every time it was my day to give a speech, I would run out of the school And I would, my grandparents lived on the other side of the highway of Spring Lake Park High School. And I would go to my grandpa's house and tell him, I'm I'm done with school. I didn't want to give a speech. I didn't want to get up in front of people. And we'd eat ice cream together. (laughs) Kids, don't skip school. (laughs) Unless you have a speech that day. But I did not ever want to get up in front of people. And God has given me some opportunities over the years to get up in front of people And, again, I'm not a pastor in our local area. I do fill in a couple times for some pastors who are away or sick or or something like that, but not not a lot. And I think, what in the world, why in the world would somebody want to hear what I have to say? Because I have plenty of things in my own life to work on. And I often find that when I prepare a message, don't take this wrong, but it's not for you. It is for me. Because God works on my heart more than he's probably going to work on your heart. Because I'm in it and thinking about it and adding my life experience to it. But anyway, thank you for the opportunity. Not used to this stuff either. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about mountains, mountains. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. I do pray that you bless the faithfulness of these folks as they're out and about. I pray that you bless the ministry here. I pray that you'd give me the words to say this morning, help everything that we say and do to be pleasing to you, and just watch over us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure you're aware that people climb mountains just for fun. 
and I don't mean just going for a walk and on a hike on a mountain, but I mean true mountain climbing is not for the faint of heart. The experienced mountaineer has taken on some of the most difficult mountains to conquer. Some have even lost their lives trying to reach the summit. Some of the most famous mountains are in Peru, the Andes, 13,000 feet. Mount Fuji in Japan, over 12,000 feet. Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, 13,000 feet. The Matterhorn in Switzerland, almost 15,000 feet. And Mount Kutin in Mongolia, Mongolia over 14,000 feet. And those are all considered moderate mountains. Then you have Mount Elbrus in Russia, over 18,000 feet. Denali in Alaska, over 20,000 feet. And Annapurna in Nepal, over 26,000 feet. Those are advanced mountains that people try to climb. But one of the most famous mountains that you probably have heard of is Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the border. The, the, the mountain peaks of Mount Everest are the border between Nepal and China, measuring over 29,000 feet high, and have a base camp of 18,000 feet above sea level. There have been over 10,000 successful climbs to the peak of Mount Everest, but some have been there multiple times, so there have only been between five and 6,000 people who have actually reached the peak of Mount Everest. It is believed that over 300 people have died on Mount Everest, and two-thirds of them still haven't been found. Sounds fun, huh? Um, some of the most famous mountaineers, a, a gentleman from Nepal, and I'll get his name wrong, but it's... Kami Rita Sherpa. He has climbed it 24 times. And I'm guessing this is his wife, but I don't know. Lakpa Sherpa, the female, has climbed it nine times. The oldest person to climb it was from Japan. He was over 80 years old, climbing Mount Everest. And the youngest was a kid from the U.S., only 13 years old, climbed Mount Everest. There have been people who have climbed it fast. Some, one person climbed Mount Everest in less than 11 hours. The longest stay on Mount Everest has been 21 hours because you can imagine the weather up that high. There was a marriage on Mount Everest. There was a person who had a double amputee that climbed Mount Everest. And there was a blind ascender of Mount Everest. Obviously, he had a guide that, that helped him climb Mount Everest. So not only were the mountains challenging in and of themselves, I'm getting stuck here, um, some had to overcome physical disabilities as well to climb these mountains. And I thought, after looking at all these people and looking at these stats, and these, why did all of these people risk their lives to climb this mountain? Why? They didn't get a trophy. They didn't get a little medallion. They looked at the mountain. They looked at the challenge. And they said, I'm going to conquer this mountain. I'm going I'm to get to the top. And I've titled this message, Worship at Your Mountain. Worship at Your Mountain. There are several references in the Bible about mountains. Moses climbing Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, which Mount Sinai is in Egypt, a little over 7,000 feet high. We don't know how high Moses went up. Mount Ararat in Turkey, the landing place of Noah's Ark. 
Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, less than 3,000 feet high. We know King David ascended to the Mount of Olives barefoot in prayer. We know there's passages about Christ being on the Mount of Olives. And one of the most famous verses in the Bible about mountains is Matthew 17:20, And it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. This passage talks about the faith required to move mountains. The mountain that's being referred to in this passage is representing an obstacle. And we know obstacles are something that get in our way, kind of like the toy you step on in the middle of the night, or you stub your foot or your toe on a chair. Sometimes people do obstacle courses, and sometimes they even do them blindfolded, where people are telling them which way to go to avoid the obstacles. But we're not talking about those kind of obstacles this morning. We're talking about real-life obstacles, more serious than a toy. Ask yourself now, what obstacles are in your life that you have to trust God to get you through to an end result right now? They could be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional. What are you going through right now that is an obstacle in your life? Excuse me. What are those trials in your life that you want gone? Those mountains that are an inconvenience, because we all have them. We all have them in our lives, and they come at different times in our lives. Those mountaineers who climbed those mountains mentioned earlier didn't decide just one day, hey, I'm going to go climb Everest tomorrow. It takes a lot of planning, a lot of getting in shape, a lot of time before they consider such a challenge. It's a dangerous task. They have to have knowledge, the right gear, a well-thought-out plan. And in Genesis 22, we find an incredible story uh, of a father and a son. This, this message is not just for fathers and sons. It's mothers and children, and it's anyone who doesn't even have children. Uh, so everyone, put yourself into this story. And you know the backstory. Abraham and Sarah could not have a child. After doing things their own way, God said he would give them a child. They were not in their childbearing years, 90 and 100. I'm not that old, but going through another raising of child even at my age, sorry, Lily, they're tiring, aren't they? And by the way, my wife Hallie is here, and my youngest Lily is here with us. Lily is a junior in high school. Um, my oldest just got married last summer, um, this past summer, and my middle child, Emma, is a senior in college this year, so she'll graduate in May. Um, but Abraham and Sarah, Sarah couldn't have a child, and God miraculously gave them a child. And in Genesis 17, you don't need to turn there, um, in verse 19 it says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his seed after him. And then down in Genesis 21, verse 2, it says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Notice those four words, at the set time. Do you believe that everything, highlight capital, everything, bold print, that we do is in God's timing. 
He is the controller of all events that take place. He puts people in positions and he takes them out. And I, I work at a Christian school. And I pray every year that God brings us who he wants and takes away who he doesn't. Staff and students, every year. I pray that. I, w- I want there who God wants. It's, it's God's in control. I don't, I don't dictate who wants to come to our school and who doesn't. That's God. Now, I interview and I do all the things you need, but God's in control. So, in Genesis 22. Between Genesis 21 and Genesis 22, a great mountain was going to come into the life of Abraham. And that's where we're going to be in Genesis 22 this morning. Verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. The word tempt here means that God was going to test Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham, he responded immediately, Here I am. How often do we respond when God speaks to us? And eventually we can even grow deaf to the Holy Spirit and not hear that still small voice speaking to us because we get so accustomed to not listening. My wife might get mad, but when she's talking to me and I'm in the middle of something, she'll say to me, you're not listening. And I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. And I continue to do what I'm doing. No, you're not listening. And she looks me in the eyes and sometimes she will take my face and put it in hers and tell me what she wants to tell me so that she knows I'm listening to what she's saying. And sometimes God's trying to get our attention and we're distracted here and we're distracted here and we're not listening. We're not listening to what God is telling us. In verse 2 he said, and he said, take now thy son, this miracle son that they just had. Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. We all love our children, right? Even when they're not always lovable. We love our children. They're our children. And here's what God tells them to do. And get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon, here's our mountain of the story, one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. This is the mountain we're going to talk about this morning. This verse is packed. Parents, put yourself in Abraham's shoes here. What's actually being said? It's actually pretty direct. Abraham, take your son, your your only son, the one you love, to the mountain. I'll let you know which one when I'm ready, but take him to the mountains. And you know, dads, moms, going out with your children, going to the mountains might be fun, might be great. Go for a hike, go hunting, go fishing. But that wasn't the purpose of this trip. Abraham was told the purpose of this trip, to offer his son for a burnt offering. Parents, I just can't even imagine. We were actually talking a little bit about abortion last night. I just can't even imagine. If we were told to do that today, I don't know anyone who would listen to God who would respond, we, if God said that to me, I'd be mean, no, God, I didn't hear you right, God. What, what are you telling me? I, I must not be understanding what you're saying. I need to call the police. This isn't right. I, I'm not going to, I can't, what? 
kill my son. That's crazy. That's just craziness. Abraham's faith in God exceeds mine by far. By far. I don't think I would have even entertained the thought to make the trip. He had a blind trust. He didn't even know exactly where he was supposed to go. One of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Have you ever had to have blind trust? Have you ever had to deal with something and say, God, this is all you. Because I'm completely out of the picture. I'm just going to do what you say. I don't get it. I can't see it. I don't understand it. But I have to trust you. It's all you. In verse 3, And Abraham rose up in the morning, early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claimed the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Not only was Abraham going to make the trip, he got everything ready, packed it up, planned his route, and left early in the morning. You've all made trips, right? What's one thing you do when you make a trip besides packing and getting all your stuff in your car? Today we get on our phones and we Google the destination. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know how I'm going to get there. I want to know where we're going to stop if we need to stop. And Abraham got none of that. I'll tell you where to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. You just, you just get it ready and go. In verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. This was a three-day trip. Not just an afternoon jaunt. A long trip. The kind you just want to get there. So we see as they were getting closer to their destination, Abraham looked up. And what did he see? The mountain. He's, he, he's seeing where he's going now. He saw his mountain, and he was heading straight for it. So pretend you're Abraham again. What was his mindset during this three-day trip? They traveled during the day, set up camp at night. Everyone's finally asleep, and his mind's just racing. Does your mind do that sometimes? You got things on it, you can't sleep. And on the outside, we put on this everything's okay act. I mean, he had to travel with his son this whole time, and everything's okay. He wanted to make this trip enjoyable for his son, but the whole time, he's heading for the mountain. The one where he's supposed to kill his son. On the inside, I picture he's pleading and screaming with God. For help. For God to have a change of plans. A detour. Or for the mountain to just vanish away and be gone. Were his hands trembling on the journey? Did he have a bad headache? Did he have indigestion? Did he want to just turn right or left and get that mountain out of his vision? Did he try to distract his brains doing other things? Was he lightheaded or just like a robot going through the motions? 
I don't know. But I know his mountain was still there, right in front of him, in plain view. How many times do we cry out to God to move a mountain? How many times do we plead with God to change something about a situation in our lives, and when the mountain remains, we feel God's not listening, or God doesn't care? So we begin to question God. We have to be very careful how we respond to God about the mountains in our lives. That mountain could be exactly what God wants in front of you. That mountain may be the mountain that is exactly what is needed in your life as God works in your heart. Maybe that mountain is going to grow you in a way that you could never have imagined. But all we see is what? The mountain. An enormous obstacle. In verse 5 it says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and beg God for help, and beg God to change his mind, and beg God to move this mountain. It's not what he says, is it? These next few words blow my mind. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. They arrived at the mountain, and Abraham said, Son, Come with me. We're going to go and talk to God. And we're going to thank Him for who He is and praise Him for all He's done. We're going to go and worship with God. When facing mountains in our lives, our first reaction is probably not to worship. It's not mine. Our first reaction is to gripe, complain, point figures, fingers, try to figure it out. But worship is the last thing on our mind when these mountains come into our lives. We know another person in the Bible who faced some mountains Job had lost everything. His mountain was a chain of Mount Everest mountains. But his response was even greater than his mountain. Let me say that again. Excuse me. His response was even greater than his mountains. In Job chapter 1, 20-22 says, Then Job arose, and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. Remember, he had just lost everything in a matter of minutes. And look at those next two words in verse 20. Fell down on the ground and worshipped. He too worshipped at his mountain, just like Abraham. The only two places in the Bible I could find where men or women did this at their mountains. And he worshipped. It said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. 
are our responses greater than the mountains we have to face? Abraham and Job faced some enormous mountains, and they both responded with worship. Our first response to our mountains is the hardest. I have a thing in my office. Behind my desk, I have a bulletin board thing, and I put these magnetic letters to remind myself. They say two words. says, pray first. Pray first. When those mountains come into our lives, let's pray first. Pray first. What I do and what I want to do is, okay, I've got to figure this out. What am I going to do? What are, who am I going to talk to? How am I going to fix this? I need to talk to God first. I need to pray first. And verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Abraham was 100% ready to obey God. He had the wood, he had his knife, and he had his son. Again, I don't know many people who would even make it this far. And Isaac said unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Where? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Parents, how would you respond to your child? What did you say? I didn't hear you. You know, change the subject. How do you respond to that? Knowing full well what his intentions were. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. What a play on words. Not only is God going to provide himself a lamb for this offering, he's going to provide himself an offering for us. I don't know if you're a Christian here today or not, but God sent his son for you and for me, an offering for us to be able to go to heaven someday like this Pastor Jip. And sometimes we play the game, we go to church, we know the Bible, we can sing it, sing the songs, read the verses. In our heart of hearts, we've never truly accepted Christ as our Savior. Have you believed? When you reach a mountain, do you even have a God to go to? Verse 9 says, And they came upon the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac. Imagine that task. Hey, son, come here. And laid him on the altar upon the wood. There's a whole other message here that we could talk about Isaac. Isaac didn't fight his dad, didn't question him, didn't get angry, didn't scream and yell, didn't go in his bedroom and shut the door. What, a, what an obedient child. Seriously, this, I'd like to find out how Abraham raised this child. Because he did something right. They finally reached the place on the mountain. Abraham was literally facing the mountain head on. Altar, check. Sunbound, check. Knife, check. And if Abraham felt God was going to change his mind, would he have still bound his son? Would he have still made the altar? 
Or was Abraham still screaming silently in his head, in his mind, for God to do something? I've screamed at God a lot, and I, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm at a point in my life where I don't question God, but I have questions for God. And I, I remember a story that I'll get to in a little bit where I was praying to God, and I was in front of my couch on my knees, And I put my fist in the cushion of my couch, not saying anything audible, all in my mind, talking to God. We do that sometimes because we want to get a hold of God. This whole message started last summer when my daughter, Emma, was home from college for the summer. And we were at dinner, eating dinner in the evening, and having some family devotions after. And Emma's like, I want to share something with you from a devotional I'm reading, a book she's reading. And before dinner was over, we're all in tears. And the book is called Daring to Hope. And I wanted to bring it here and share a few pages with you and Emma took it back to college. How dare she? And um, basically, it's a story of a young lady. There's two books, I guess. Don has them both. I forget the name of the first one. What's it? Kisses from Kate. This young lady, and I don't even know the whole story. All I know is the part we were sharing around our dinner table. And this young lady is working with this orphanage, and she was using Abraham as an illustration of trusting God. And that got my mind rolling and I went and reread the story of Abraham and started putting some things together and we were again this is my young daughter teaching her dad some things and I thought well how obedient how obedient am I to God? I mean, would I do that? Would I have that kind of faith? And in Abraham's mind, he obviously said, God, I trust you 100%. I don't care what the task is. I want to obey you. And I trust you to give me a son. I trust when you ask for my son back. I want, yeah, thank, I didn't bring enough. Uh, my wife knows I'm emotional, and she always says before I come up, do you have your hankies? Do you have your, I just didn't bring enough. Um, and how, how well do I trust God in the little things and in the big things? There's, there's one, one verse in the King James Version Bible that uses the word success. And it's in Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate th- therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do, or in other words, obey, 
according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want to be successful? Obey God's word. That's it. That's the only way. Maybe you won't be successful in, in, in man's eyes, but you'll be successful in God's eyes if you want to be successful. And again, we can know God's word, we can memorize it, we can come to church, but if we don't obey it, who cares? Who cares? If you know it all. And verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord called on him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. Again, instant, here am I. And he, lay, and he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Think of your life right now. What are you holding back from God? What is it that you're not giving to God? And I can picture Abraham at this very moment falling to his knees, tears in his eyes, exhausted, thanking God for removing this mountain. But it was this mountain that made Abraham follow God for days to plead with his shepherd. And God heard him. And here's the key. We know this story. God already had a plan. He already had a plan. I have many stories to tell about God working in my life, in, the, in my ministry's life at our school. But there's this one story that I've told many times before. I remember time, a time several years ago the school was struggling. And I went home on a Friday, and this is what I told you about early, earlier, me in front of my couch, pounding on my couch cushion. Went home on a Friday knowing I needed $5,000 to make payroll for my staff on Monday. And I'm, I'm praying all weekend long, all weekend long in my mind. And I just knew that I was going to go to school on Monday and go to the mailbox and open it up and there'd be a big fat check. So all week long I'm praying. I went to school on Monday. Like, I was confident. Went to the mailbox, opened the mailbox, grabbed the mail out, looked through it, and it was all junk mail. I went into my office. Took that mail, and I threw it in the garbage. And I begin to silently, because there's other people in the building, scream at God. I'm like, God, why are you doing this? We're trying to do what's right. We're trying to make ends meet. We're trying to do what we're supposed to do. And you sent me junk mail. Not three minutes later, a staff member comes into my office. And she's handed me an envelope. And she said, hey, my mom gave me this. I forgot to give it to you. I was supposed to give it to you last Friday. And I opened it up. And guess what was in it? A literal check for $5,000. And I fired her. Because <laughs> she didn't give it to me last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. I immediately wept, asked God to forgive me. Because I was looking at the mountain and not at the God who can move the mountain. And I was ashamed because God has promised to meet our needs. God had a plan already. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. God had a plan. I can see Abraham getting that ram so fast and dressing it and getting it ready for the altar so quick to be done with it because he was given a substitute for his son. In verse 14, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God will provide. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Translations, God can be seen in the mountains or it will be provided in the mountains. My translation, what you need will be found at the mountains in your life and God will provide what you need. Always. Always. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And said, Be by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. God is already good to us. But if our walk with him was so much more of what it should be, and our faith in him was so much stronger than what it is now, what are we missing out on? Imagine if we could be more determined to be more like Christ, what blessings would be in store for all of us. And verse 18 says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Obedience brings blessing. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Abraham said, pack it up. Let's go. And the trip home was going to be so much more enjoyable. They can now stop at the biggest leather sandal in Moriah and eat at the desert oasis and stop at all the attractions and enjoy the trip home. God never promised there wouldn't be mountains in our lives. And sometimes he'll take them away. Sometimes he'll give you the strength to go over them. Sometimes he'll give you a detour around them. But he's always promised to be there with us to take on those mountains. I don't know about you. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk. I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't, I don't know. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on so much. I challenge you this morning, whatever your mountain is, go worship at your mountain and see what God's going to do.
because he's going to do some amazing things. And I, again, I, I should write a book. I have so many things that God has done that are only God. And mountains come into our lives, and, and God just blows me away for doing what he does. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for who you are and what you're going to do. We, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of this ministry this morning. I pray that you'd be with anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that they would not go another day without making sure of that. I pray for those that maybe have some mountains in front of their lives right now that you would help them to seek you and focus on you and that you would help guide them through these mountains in their lives. Give us a great day today. Watch over us. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. In Jesus' name, amen.